Here we are once again, Lord, looking to you. You, Lord Jesus, as the author and the perfecter of our faith, would you do your work in us? Would you do a work in our hearts that we can't do ourselves? We need your help. We need you to clean out our ears, clean out our minds, to get our minds off of all the stuff that has uh, been holding our minds captive today. Would you help us to get that stuff out and fill our minds with you right now? And would you change our lives because we're with you? Strengthen us, oh God. Would you strengthen me? Would you speak your word through me uh, now in the next few minutes? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys can sit down. And if you need a Bible, Aaron's got Bibles right there. And they're free. Uh, he's not selling them. If, um, I, I would advise you guys to have a Bible that you bring to, t- to underline and take notes in. Uh, now, let me, let me just introduce you guys to, let's see, we got at least one new person here tonight. Andrew. First time at the merge, right? Andrew is not first time at the Cornerstone, but he's first time at the merge, so welcome to the merge, man. Okay, now I just want to make sure you guys are awake. How many of you guys have been to a Chinese buffet? Okay. Okay, who's never been to a Chinese buffet? Oh, okay, I, I didn't expect it very soon. Here's what I want you guys to, to do, just to make sure you are awake. Would you text me your favorite Chinese food, okay? So if you don't have my number, then you should have gotten it a long time ago, but I'll tell you what it is. It's 817-501-8941, okay? There's a reason I'm asking you to t- text me your ch- favorite Chinese food. When you go to the Chinese buffet, what do you want to get, Okay. Yeah, if you go to Dong Wang, that's not a buffet, but yeah, you got Kung Pao chicken and Mongolian beef and uh, A1 chicken and teriyaki chicken and pad thai and orange chicken and sesame chicken. Okay. Hey, you gave me two, man. That's not. Oh. <laughs> that's okay. You can order two. It's a, it's a buffet. It's okay. Okay, here's the point, guys. Okay, you guys are still texting. Text. Okay. Here's my question for you. When you were, how old were you the first time you went to a Chinese buffet? Two? Okay. Jessica wins the, the prize for going to the Chinese buffet, the youngest. Okay. There's my number right there, if you guys can read it. The first time you went to a Chinese buffet, and your parents were like, okay, you can get everything you want, all you want, and you went straight to the ice cream, right? Okay, I, see, she was too. So here's, here's what you guys probably didn't do. You probably didn't look at the beef and broccoli and think, yeah, I want that. You wanted ice cream, okay? But as you get older, you learned to like probably all of it. Otherwise, you wouldn't go to the Chinese buffet. So here, here's what happened. You started with the ice cream, but as you grew, you liked the other stuff. And now when you go to the Chinese buffet, you got to kind of economize. You kind of look at all that food, and you kind of look at the size of your stomach. And you kind of think, I'd like to eat it all. But I can't unless I regret doing that later on. So you got to kind of plan. And you can only eat so much unless you lived at the Chinese buffet. If you lived at the Chinese buffet, then you could then you could eat it all. It'd just take you a long time. Okay, what's the point of all that? As you start to study the Bible, it's kind of like going to the ice cream corner. It's like, 
I think I'll get cotton candy ice cream like Jessica. And you kind of live on that cotton candy ice cream. But as you study it, there's more and there's more and there's more and there's more. And so I guess all that is kind of a, a preface to saying I'm sorry that it's taken me so long to get through the book of Acts. <laughs> because as we've been going through the book of Acts, I mean, you guys can read it in two hours, right? And it takes Steve three years to get through it. Because I'm like the guy at the Chinese buffet. I want every part. And I'm really excited about just about every word in the Word of God. And I want you guys to be excited with me. I want you guys to be moving from the cotton candy ice cream joy of a Chinese buffet to, like, eating the real food. Okay? So I, even though you might not have got as slow as I have through the book of Acts, I hope you're enjoying it. Now, some of you guys are like, okay, what's the book of Acts about? Let me remind you again what the book of Acts is about. The book of Acts is called the book of Acts because it's what an act is something that somebody does. The acts of the Holy Spirit of Jesus through his followers in the years after he stepped off this planet are recorded by Dr. Luke in this amazing volume of history inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And what, what, it, what it's recorded, what Dr. Luke recorded was how the church of Jesus was established and continued and continued and continued and then it ends abruptly but it, because it hasn't stopped continuing. It hasn't stopped growing. You are part of the growth of the kingdom of Jesus, the church of God on this planet, and we're not done yet. Okay, so where we are is Acts 18. Acts 18, and let me just remind you guys of where we were. I'll go back and read a couple of verses from what we studied last week. Acts 18, verse 7. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Okay, you guys remember where he is? What city is he in? Corinth. Corinth. He's in the city of Corinth. Thank you. He's in the city of Corinth. He's been kind of running for his life out the past six cities. He has been, who's been on a mission trip with me somewhere? Okay, some of you guys have been with me, and we go and we, we camp down in Hita or the Philippines, and we, we do our ministry. There. But it's like he gets there, and he gets, he gets ran out of town. He goes to the next city, gets run out of town. So now he's in Corinth, and they kick him out of the synagogue, and he goes next door to the synagogue, to Titius Justice's house. And remember we talked about this last week, that the pastor of the synagogue, his name is Crispus. He's kind of putting his ear to the wall. And he's, kind of, he's been listening to what Paul's saying, and he finally says, I'm in. And he becomes a believer. And many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. Okay, then, then we read last week in verse 9, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you, because I have many people in this city. And we talked last week why Paul needed that word from the Lord because of the fear that he was under, that he had written about, if you guys remember, in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, how he wrote to the Corinthians church a couple of years later and said, man, when I came to your place, I was really afraid. Okay. So the Lord spoke to him and said, don't be afraid. Now, let me ask you guys this. Have any of you ever had the Lord speak to you in a vision? Or in a dream. Has anybody had that experience? Okay. Raise, raise your hand. I mean, this is real. This is, okay. Some of you guys have had the Lord speak to you in a dream or a vision. Okay. And that's happened to me too. Um, and 
and we can we can listen to the testimonies of how God has spoken to you. Now, I, I would say if, if that hasn't happened to you, ask for it. But don't ask for it if you if you don't know the Word of God. The number one way that the, the Lord is going to speak to you is through His Word. So there's a lot of people who are like, I don't have time to read the Word of God. Would you just speak to me in a dream? Okay. So so but if you're a person whose whose life is grounded in the Word of God. There may be times that he speaks to you specifically through a dream. Okay. Now, there have been times that this happened to me, but just be careful because there's time. That doesn't mean that every time you have some silly dream, that it's from the Lord. Or every time that you hear a voice in the night, it's from the Lord. I went camp because of Brittany. Where's Brittany? Okay, Brittany was here a little bit earlier, but Brittany had recommended that I go to Broken Bow Camping with Ian. So Ian and I went camping last Sunday night. We finished church. And we drove out to Broken Bow, and we set up our tent, got there just as it was getting dark, we got our tent set up. Uh, we grilled our steaks over the fire, made s'mores, uh, and uh, went in and went to sleep. He went to sleep, and I, actually, I slept real well until about midnight. Right at, exactly at midnight, I heard a voice. And this is what the voice said. Okay, this is for real. I heard a voice. The voice said audibly, right there next to me, I just want to tell you that you have many, I got, I wrote, I got up and wrote it down on my phone because I wanted it word for word. I just want to tell you that you have many good sons. Don't let anybody tell you differently because they are one of a kind. Guess whose voice it was? Ian's. He was speaking in his sleep. He talks, I mean, if you guys have been around Ian, he talks nonstop, and he doesn't stop talking when he's sleeping, and we can hear him from our room talking in his sleep every night, but this night, I was sleeping in the tent right next to him, so I heard what he said, and I laughed so hard that I think the, the people who were at the next tent at the campground, they could hear me. That was about midnight, so then about 4, 4.20 a.m., in fact, it's actually 4.20 a.m., because that's what it says in my note-taking thing here, at 4.20 a.m., He's, um, I, I hear another voice, and it says, it's, I mean, well, the same voice. It was Ian's talking to sleep. He says, <laughs> I'm going to cut through your skull to have this removed, but it's for your own good. I think he was dreaming. He was a surgeon. So, again, I thought, those poor people in the tent about 150 yards away, what are they thinking? So, of course, I wrote that down, too. And when he woke up, I said, you got to hear what you were saying last night in your sleep. Okay, you guys can't tell him that I told you or he's going to make me pay him. I think it's just a dollar. I think he forgot that it was $5. It's just a dollar. So, don't tell him. Okay, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. But the, the end result of all that is in verse 11... Verse 11, so, and if you guys have your own Bible, I would circle the word so. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God because of the vision, the, the voice of the Lord to say to Paul, be encouraged. Because of that voice, he's able to stay there against, standing against opposition for a year and a half. And he's able to see a church established there. Okay, now, verse 12. Now we're going to run through this real quick. Well, Galio, is that how you pronounce his name? Verse 12, well, Galio is the proconsul of Achaia. That's, what, that's the region, province area where Corinth is located. The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Okay, who's Galio? Galio? 
Kelio? Okay, he's a proconsul. Okay, he's the proconsul. I guess means like the a combination of a governor, a mayor, and a judge. Okay, he's the government man. And you got, have you guys heard of Seneca in your in your history classes? Okay, this guy is um, the son of Seneca the older, and he's the brother of Seneca the younger. And he's appointed this position by Claudius. You guys remember Claudius? We talked about Claudius a few weeks ago, Emperor Claudius. So he's, he's actually a friend of Claudius. And, and there, you guys heard of the Oracle of Delphi? The Oracle of Delphi has, has um, an inscription there that says, that's written by Claudius that says, that speaks of this guy, Gallio, as, a, as my friend. So he's a friend of the emperor. And so he better not get out of line because he's been working really hard politically to get to this position. So he's um, in... Uh, position of responsibility in government. He's been put there as the, as the leader of this province to keep the peace for the sake of the empire and for the, for the people. Why does government exist? Why is there government, guys? To keep order, to protect the people from themselves, basically. Right? Okay. So that's what his job is. But in his mind... His bigger job is to keep himself in good standing with the emperor, okay? And why did the Jews take Paul to court? Because he's preaching about Jesus. They want to stop his message. What is it that bothers them so much about the message of Jesus? In what way? How does it go against what they teach? Actually, somebody asked me a few weeks ago, they're like, why were the Jews upset because of Paul's preaching? Aren't the Jews followers of God. Well, they're followers of God, but they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Messiah. I mean, if you guys, who's going to Israel with me? Okay, I hope you guys go to Israel with me. We just got to get opened up so we can get there. Um, so you guys can pray that COVID will stop in Israel. We can get there. Okay, if you go to Israel, you, we go to the, t the, 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 the Western Wall, and there are people praying there that Messiah will come because they don't understand that it's Jesus. Okay, so they're bothered. The Jews are bothered that he's preaching that Jesus is the Messiah, and they're also bothered that he's preaching that Gentiles, non-Jewish people, those people that are the bad people of the world, he, that that those people can become saved, not by earning their righteousness. But by taking the righteousness that supposedly Jesus has and applying it to them. And they don't like that at all. And so they've tried to stop him in several cities. And they come now to Corinth. And Crispus, who should be leading the attack against Paul, he's become, on, he's, he's become a, a believer. And so they have to sit there next door listening to Paul preach. And Timothy and Silas are with him. Maybe they're the worship leaders. So they bring him to court and try to get an injunction passed to, uh, to stop him. So verse 14, just as Paul was about to speak, so they got him in court, and Paul's about to say something. And Galileo, Galileo says to the Jews, it's not Galileo, Galileo, okay, says to the Jews, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names of your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be the judge of such things. So they had him inject, ejected from the court. So they, their attempt to stop Paul, it don't work. But I want you to see what happens. Verse 17. So they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. 
but Galio showed no concern. Whatever. Now, who's Sosthenes? He's the new pastor. Because what happened to the old guy? He became a believer and joined Paul. So now we got a new pastor, and he's trying to fill the big shoes, right? And so what happens to him after this court? Well, they beat him, exactly. Who beats him? The Jews beat him. They're upset because they expected their fearless leader to be able to go out and do something, and he doesn't do what, he's, what they expect him to do. And when all else fails, blame the pastor. <laughs> you guys, okay. Sorry. Not really, guys. Okay. Okay. So he's trying to stop the thing. It doesn't work. And so they attack him. And what does the government do? Galio's the government, right? He's the, he's the police force, the judge, the governor, the mayor, all in one. And he does nothing. I want you guys to think about this. Galio should stop the bullying. He should. I mean, his, that's, his job as the government is to stop this kind of thing. But he doesn't care. And probably he's prejudiced against the Jews. Because remember the Jews had just been kicked out of Rome? Remember this? So he's like, I don't want to touch this. Let these guys have their own fights in the streets, and I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to let the riots happen. Does that sound familiar? Is that a little bit of, a, of what we've experienced? What's that? I just want to say that 1 Corinthians, you're, we're almost there. Don't give it away. Yeah, we're almost there. Man, you should preach. Come on. Okay. I want you guys to think about this. That, that the government doesn't do its job. There's rioting in the streets, and people are frustrated by that. Guys, think about what's going on right now. We've seen the same thing happen in 2020. People who were elected to positions of authority, not all people, obviously most of our governmental people are good, but there's frustration in this country right now because the government has done the same thing some of the government has done the same thing that Galio did right here. Guess what? That's not new. It's not new. That's it wasn't, it's not new now. It wasn't new then. All you have to do is read through the scripture or any other history and realize that this is what people have done for the entire course of humanity, starting with Cain and Abel. That people have attacked each other and... It will continue. Guys, just think about this. It will continue, not until we get the next president in place, not until we get a gov- the right governor in place, not until we get the right Supreme Court justice in place, not until we get the right law in place. The only thing that is going to stop that kind of injustice in the world is when there's a new king in place. When Jesus is king of people's hearts, and that's something that can't be forced. Jesus is going to be king. There's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Isaiah 32 talks about what that day is going to look like. That there is going to be a day when a king will reign in righteousness. He will reign. He will reign. Anybody that wants to follow his way is invited in. Anybody that doesn't want to follow his way doesn't have to. They can go their own way, but their own way means exempting themselves 
of every gift, every good and perfect gift that comes down from God, including the oxygen we breathe and the bodies we have. Well, what that's called is hell. So everybody's invited him, but the king doesn't force himself on anybody, at least not right now. So back, back in Acts 18, let's talk a little bit about Sosthenes and Daniel Miller. Okay. He gets beaten in front of the courthouse, right? Judge doesn't care a bit. He gets beaten by his own people. The government that should be protecting him doesn't do what they're supposed to do. So what do you think Sosthenes does? What would you do if you were Sosthenes? You're part of the cornerstone community. You lead the pack. Instead of when you fail, instead of supporting you, they just beat you up. Can you imagine that? So what do you do? So what, is, what would you do if you were Paul? If you're Paul and, you're, and this guy comes against you to beat you up, and then his people turn against him, and he gets beat up. How would you respond? Look what Jesus did for me. Exactly. Think about the verse in Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. Is Sosthenes the enemy of Paul? Yeah. And he sees this guy get beat up. We don't know what happened, but you can imagine that he goes and helps this guy. And so we're not sure exactly what happens, but what Daniel mentioned is when two years later, when Paul's over in Ephesus and he's writing a letter back to the church in Corinth, do you guys know how 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1 starts? Tells who, who the letter's from. It's from Paul, a servant of God, and Sosthenes. Sosthenes is a guy who not only becomes a believer, but he joins Paul in his missionary work. I just want you to think of the power of God to change people's lives. Think about the person who has mostly, more than anybody else, opposed your relationship to Jesus. If you're like, no, nobody's opposed my relationship to Jesus, then you're not doing the work of the gospel. Because you will find opposition. But think about the person that opposes your gospel work. Can you imagine that, that, that Jesus wants to use you to bring that person to be your partner? That's what happens here. Think about, will you obey? Proverbs 25, 21. If, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. Let me just ask you this. Would you be willing to make your enemy your partner if it would help to reach the world? Okay, one more thing, and then we're going to split into groups. One more thing. I want you to think about what Paul does. I want you to think about what Paul doesn't do. Paul doesn't join an anti-government campaign. He doesn't get on Facebook and start blasting Gallio or Sosthenes or Crispus. He doesn't talk about the problems with the courts. He simply reaches out to the next person who's in front of him, and he preaches the gospel, and he stays there for the next year and a half, and the gospel is born in Corinth because Paul is willing to get past all the 
attack that was aimed towards him and love the people who had tried to hurt him. So guys, let's do this. Let's get into groups and let's talk, let's in, in your groups we're going to talk about some of the, some of this stuff more. We got um, let's see three groups upstairs, a couple groups down here. Getting groups about seven or eight, and then pray for each other, and we'll be done in 25 minutes or so. Is that good? Oh, the questions are on utacornerstone.com/slash discussion.